Welcome to another episode of Million Dollar Stories, uh, where we get to interview authors from all over the world. Uh, this one I'm very excited about simply because it reminds me of one of my favorite movies, The Count of Monte Cristo, where he says, life is a storm. You will either bask in the sunlight one moment or be shattered upon the rocks the next. What you do when that storm comes is what makes you a man. And that ties in with this book, Thriving in the Storm, Nine Principles to Help You Overcome any adversity. Bill Murphy, thanks so much for being here. Tell us a little bit about the genesis of this book. Why'd you write this? Man, thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me. First of all, I appreciate it. Um, why did I have it? Because, you know, I just felt like there's so there's so many um, there's so many books out there. There's so many great information um, that, that help people, um, you know, get through some some tough times. But, you know, they may have may have had advantages. They may have been gifted athletes. They may have been incredible scholars. They may, may have uh, a silver spoon in their mouth. Like I, I came from nothing. I was, I felt like I was nothing. And I just an average dude that just learned how to work hard and never, never give in. And so that, that was kind of the, the, the premise around it. Just, you know, there's, there's things that you can do and we're all capable of way more than we ever thought possible. Um, and, you know, just just some of the things that this is some of the things that, that we'll go after. It's just, you know, what is. What is you know, what are some things that, you, you know, you can do this exercise. What are some of the things that, that you've accomplished that you never thought you could do? And that's how you can build build with that. But it's really it's really about you know your positive attitude and making sure you're running on high levels of emotions. Because a lot of us that do feel that we can't accomplish much um, are usually wallowing in self pity, um, depression, sadness, anger, hostility, revenge, rooting for bad karma, um, those types of things. And it's really hard to get out of your own way when you do that. And so so it's just it doesn't take it it doesn't take um, you know, somebody with incredibly special talents to accomplish things that seem impossible. When was the defining moment? When did you turn it around or change paths? You said you didn't feel like much or you didn't feel like anything. And then all of a sudden you adopted these principles. So was there a moment, was there a dark time that pretty much exposed you to your shadow, if you will, Carl Jung technology, uh, uh Carl in terminology, if you're familiar with Carl Jung, he always yeah. talks about how a man will find out who he truly is whenever he is exposed and confronts and wins against his shadow. So was there a moment that kind of stands out in your mind that really changed things for you? There's a lot. There's a lot of moments. And so, you know, it, it just it, it started with developing the mindset of, you know, I know that I'm going to have to show up early. I'm going to have to stay late. I'm going to have to work harder than everybody else. And that's how I'm going to get by. But it was, it was always how important was it to accomplish whatever it set out. And there was, there was no quit. Right. So like, I think so many times we take on things that are, that are so overwhelming or seem seemingly too hard. And we're like, this is bad timing. I shouldn't have done this. I'm not capable of doing this. I have too much on my plate. And we make those excuses. So, so he, here's the thing is like, if you want something badly enough, you know, there's no quit, there's pivoting. 
let's pivot. You know, you might have to change some things. You may have to make adjustments. So like I've always been able to um, be the one that would outwork on the field or be the one that would outwork as, as a kid in, in, in sports and school. You know, I would say, I've always said like, I was the one that would study for six hours on a, on a test to get a B and everyone else would be like, I didn't study at all. And I got a hundred and, and, and those kids used to really upset me, but it was, it was one of those things that like, it, it's not the special talents. It's not the gift. It's, 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 it's how badly do you want it? How, how, how much are you going to focus on what you really want and go after it? Um, so that I've always realized that. And it was, it was, it was later in life, you know, when I, when I realized that, you know, I had some, you know, what I thought was normal growing up to be, to feel less than, um, because of how I, you know, because of how of my upbringing and, you know, then I started to realize that when you're, when you're stuck in, in certain situations and if you're white knuckling to, um, achieve some things, you just have to let go and go do something somewhere else. Like if it's, you know, I'll give you an example, like in sales, you know, I've always hovered around, you know, a top producing status, but I never hit, I didn't hit a lot of my goals hmm. for a decade. I was still hanging out with top producers. Right. But I wasn't hitting my own goals. And it was, just, it was pretty flat line for a decade. And when I went in 2019, when I, when I realized that um, I was, that was when I completed my first Ironman and when I, when I knew my training was a full-time job, pretty much, you know, 30 hours a week when you're, when you're in it, that I wasn't working 70 hours a week on my business anymore. I was working 40 or 30, whatever, 40, you say call it 40 at that time. And then I had my best year ever in business. And then the next year was better. And then the next year was better is because I let go. My subconscious knew my goals were to hit certain numbers. I didn't need to keep reprogramming it. And I didn't need to keep reviewing those goals. It was already, it was already programmed in. And it was finally when you just loosened up a little bit and you're able, you're able to just focus on something somewhere else. And, th- and then when people are stuck, I tell them, let go where you're just trying so freaking hard to push to push it you know you want it the universe knows you want it everyone knows you want it just let go a little bit let's put some focus somewhere else let's let's work on some other things and it, the magic will happen because it's already programmed now i want to i want to say this it's very important that if you haven't been fully all in in some of your commitments and you're like well, this isn't working and I'm going to let go without really wanting it badly enough, then it's not going to happen. So it's going to be things that you really, you really um, have tried to manifest and, 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 you know, tried everything. And it makes me think of that great quote. I think it was a Tony Robbins quote, those in a state of lack never attract. And when you are pushing for something to happen and it just seems to evade you, it's uh, coming from a state of desperation and whatever you chase with desperation usually runs from you. And so what you're saying is when you let go and kind of let the universe work for you, whenever you have put everything into it, it, it's weird how it does work out for you as compared to constantly scraping for that sale or trying to push the team harder and faster than ever before. When you let go, it's, it's, it's like you come from a state of abundance that I have enough, yeah. I am enough. And maybe individuals respond to that. And that's what produces the good results. 
pretty fascinating. Yeah, to say that. absolutely. So you're so right. And Tony Robbins worked for Jim Rohn, and Jim Rohn said, "What we pursue eludes us." <laughs> That's all. I'm a Jim Rohn maniac. You're speaking so, my language, I, man. Yeah. So so uh, yeah. It's, it's, I didn't know Tony Robbins said that, but I know Tony Robbins was a disciple of Jim Rohn. So there you go. Yep. And and uh, yeah, Jim Rohn, he's probably the greatest speaker that's ever lived. So if you guys mm. are into the motivational speech or personal development space, you need to listen to Jim Rohn. He's the godfather. Now, he did get all of his information from, I believe his name is Ed Schof, right? I think that's his mentor. Yeah. Earl Schof, right? Earl Schof. Is it Earl Schof? Yeah, I always Earl Schof. Earl yeah. Nightingale. I thought it was Ed Earl Schof. Okay. Yeah, Earl Nightingale. Yeah. Oh, maybe. Yeah, I mean, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, you were making me think of an Earl Nightingale quote, as a man thinketh, so he, as he does, right? And so you're talking about this victim mindset that you got to break away from. The more you think about this, this life that you don't have, the more you're going to get more of what you don't want. Right. So, um, it, it's pretty fascinating how as a man thinketh, thinketh so as he does. So the more you focus on just making yourself better or becoming more well-rounded or just increasing your skill sets in every which way, another Jim Rohn quote, bringing the market, your seed, not your need. Always think about how you can help those around you and watch what happens. So the more you think about that, I'm assuming you get out of your own way and shit starts to flow in your favor. So uh, yeah. anything that you can relate to us that's in the book that talks about maybe owning a new identity? Well, I mean, if you're, if you're, if you're swimming in mediocrity, right, and you just think you're average, you're going to be average. So you got to start seeking out like I, I'm a big I'm a big coach guy. Get coached in everything you want to be better at. Get 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 wise counsel in anything you you want to get get good at. So if you are and, and you got to change your mindset along those lines, too. So, I mean, if you if your identity is I'm just average, I'm just OK, I'm just like you know, um, it is what it is, you know, that, that old, that old saying, it is what it is. It, it drives me crazy because you can, you can change that, that stuff you can't control and, you know, control the controllables is one thing, but you can control a lot of the things that you think are uncontrollable. So identity is one, don't settle because somebody told you that you're not good enough. Don't settle because somebody said you can't do this. You're capable of anything you really want if you're going to put the time, effort, and energy into it with the right with the right attitude. Yeah. So you can't change. You can totally change your your identity. So you know the victim identity is you know I'm going to hit the snooze button every morning because I want to five times because I don't want to get out of bed because it's nice and comfortable. It's cold out. It's raining out. You know, the gym will be there tomorrow. I'll start another day. I, I'll get up. I'll, I'll, I'll work on that project, you know, tonight. And you never do. So you, you get into that habit of hitting of hitting that snooze button or rolling up those covers. You know, you're already setting you're already setting yourself up. So, Mike, when we try to observe our thoughts first thing in the morning, right, it's usually something that is I don't want to say negative, but it's usually an obstacle, a challenge you know, I got this, I have to do, I have this, I have to do. This doesn't need to happen today because I don't want to do it today. And this it's more comfortable for me to sleep. You know, so, so you start stressing yourself out before your feet even hit the floor. So you have to catch yourself in whatever you're thinking about in that, in that mindset regard. And that's kind of, you know, 
I, I'm upset. I'm sad. I'm, I'm angry. I'm frustrated. I'm overwhelmed. You know, those are kind of low levels of emotions. So you really want to try to um, tune in uh, to the high levels of emotion. And that's where you're thriving, right? So the, the thriving mindset is, you know, I have so much joy in my life. I have these incredible blessings, my kids, my family, my, my roof over my head, my awesome career, you know, my health, my family's health, the air I breathe, the food I eat, whatever it is, you have all these blessings and most of them are pretty free, right? So you start to do there, you get that energy circulating and then you can, you can separate that identity from those low levels of emotions to those high level of emotions to get where you want to be, to make sure you don't hit that snooze button in the morning for that comfort, you know, get, get comfortable being uncomfortable every single day, because that's, that's when that, that's where the work pays off. In your book, you talk about, I guess, the three different stages where there's the individual who runs from the storm. There's another individual who will survive in the storm and then the other one that will thrive in the storm and uh it makes me think of uh i think it's the buffalo that um are you familiar with this story how most animals run from the storm as it's coming towards them but buffalo are smart enough to know that they head into it because the storm will pass them much faster that way and that is the uh the typical entrepreneur who takes on every battle they know that pain is 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 there's no way of escaping pain it's just how long are you going to endure it so um, when you thrive in the storm, it's almost like, you know, there's no way to escape it. And those who sit in one place for too long, usually feel the most pain. So to thrive in it, you need the right state of mind, the right relationships, uh, the right opportunities, right. Constantly progressing. And it's a mindset shift. Is that what you're highlighting more so than anything else in this book is that get your mind right. And you will see the results flourish in every aspect. Yeah, I mean, it really, it really does come down to mindset um, with, you know, in emotions, you know, your emotions, your emotions got to, got to flow too, right? Where your minds go, where your mind goes, right? I think that that's kind of a, a pseudo uh, Tony Robbins quote too, energy goes on my, where your mind flows or something like that. But anyways, um, you, you do have to get your mind right. You have to get your emotions right. Um, and you have to be positive. And, and I'm not trying to be cliche with the, with positivity, but I'm just more or less talking about expect good things to happen. Oh, yes. The expectation will, will manifest when you're expecting good things. If you're expecting bad things, there's your lack. There's your, there's your scarcity. And you're going to attract that too. It's fascinating you say that. And maybe there are some times in your life where you were thinking something bad and that bad did happen. Like I used to speak on stage and I would think, don't screw up, don't, don't screw up, don't screw up. And what would my mind hear? Screw up. up. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So it's crazy how what you're saying is tied to that. And and then the other part of it is, is when I shifted my mind and saying, I'm going to, I'm going to crush this. I'm going to crush this speech. I'm going to crush this sales call, whatever it is. It's like, it's almost like putting yourself there before it actually happens. And so it knows how to act. That's cool. How you bring, bring that up, but you got to think about it, the outcome that you want and live there first. Wild. Yeah. I was just at a Joe Dispenza retreat. I don't know. Love Joe. Love Joe. Just, just, just got back. And you know, he, he's, you know, we're talking in the beginning about letting go. He talks about, practicing being nothing, no one, nowhere, no how, no time. And, and just be that instead of something 
that has the lack that has that that has the scarcity mindset you know kind of allow yourself to to get there you're going to get there much faster when you are nothing and you're focused on your intention with your energy put your energy where your intention is without being something already that that's already uh in place so just let it go and that's that's uh that was a that was a huge takeaway and he also talked about you know acting as if all week long, as if you've already um, achieved what you want to be or do. I just love it. So one of my great, uh, one of the great quotes from Dr. Joe Dispenza is your personality creates your personal reality. Oh man, when I heard that, I'm like, no wonder people fail. They mask themselves. They hide that personality and therefore they live in a world that's completely fake. But whenever you put your personality out there, you get more of it. The people come your way, like individuals would try to tell me, don't put your politics out there. Don't put your true beliefs whenever you're presenting your business. Well, I was getting a lot of people that didn't think like me. They didn't really share the core values. The moment I started doing that, I started to assemble a tribe. So I love that quote. It means a lot to me. So Dr. Joe, yeah, that's a great, you went to his retreat. I've heard great things. He's a man. Yeah. So um, I think this book is very, very important now. Uh, in society simply because men are battling with depression throughout your book mm-hmm. research. Are you noticing any any type of trend? Um, is there a reason for it? Personally, I believe that the reason why depression is at an all time high suicides are an all time high yeah. is because we're being taught to not deal with uh, our weaknesses or our, our shortcomings in a certain way. Hey, this pill will fix it. Hey, don't do that. Take this pill. And therefore it's a quick fix. There is no quick fix. Whenever you deep dive deep into your soul and find out who you really are, you're going to find some scary answers, but you can fix them. So I think that it all begins with maybe either the school system or the medical community. So where have you seen as the, uh, the, the major point of this is what's causing the problem? Yeah, it's important that you you bring that up because the message really needs to be out there. Um, not a lot of people realize the stat about um, men and suicide, but men are more or four times more likely to commit suicide yep. um, or death by suicide than women. And so that I think that goes back to the stereotype how we were brought up, right? You don't talk about it. You don't cry. You, you're not going to cry on the ball field. You're not going to you're not going to act like this. You need to suck it up you know, you need to tough it out. You know, like women seek counseling, women seek therapists, men don't talk about it. And, you know, that, that was my battle too. I, I never talked about it. And if I, if I told, if I realized that I was depressed, even though I called it anxiety and um, angst, anger, if, if I told my friends growing up that I was bad on depression, it would be a fight because I would get ridiculed. And then it would be like, dude, look, we're, we're going out in the backyard. We're going out in the schoolyard. We're going we're gonna to take care of it because, because you had to stand up for yourself because you couldn't, you couldn't back down, but you couldn't show your emotions that way. Hmm. So that, that was, that was the, that's the stereotype. And, and so many of us, so many men have grown up um, uh, that way that they don't talk about it. But, man, it's, it's so important that we, that we do share how we're feeling, that we do talk to our significant others, that we do talk to our families when we are battling. And, and what I'll tell you, Mike, is one of the nice realizations from the book is I had, and I, I kind of geared it a little bit towards men, more women have come up to me and I presented to some, to some groups and they've said, 
you know, my husband needs to read this. And now I understand what he's, he grew up kind of similar to you. And, and where my epiphany happened was I read a book and it was Terry Rail's book and it was called, he wrote it 30 years ago and it says, I don't want to talk about it. A, a tale of men, men's depression. And so Terry's a, Terry's a marriage counselor and, uh, he, he wrote this book 30 years ago about him battling, um, you know, child, child abuse, where he, he was beat down, ridiculed, shamed, the shaming's big, you know? Um, and so I read his book and I actually sought Terry out. He actually lived in, um, outside of Boston, not too far from me and people from all over the world go and see him. And I sought him out and, and I sat down with him. He's in his intake. And when I told him, I read the book and I said, Terry, I was you as the boy in the book. Your dad was my dad, but I had it way worse. He picked up his head from the intake, pulled on his glasses, and and um, he said, "You're screwed." But that wasn't the word he used. Um, he said, "You need to get." He said, "You need to go to an intensive right now because you got some issues." And so, um, I I was not going to an intensive um, facility, but I did go kicking and screaming because I knew I knew how important it was for me to address some of the things that I needed to take care of. Remember, I buried and suppressed and kept everything inside for years, not knowing, not admitting that I was depressed. But reading that book, I actually realized I, I was battling. So even, even going, I was still calling it angst and anxiety. So what ended up happening was I went to PCS down in Arizona as psychological counseling services. And when I went there, when I would tell the stories of some of the shaming, the ridicule, the horrific beatdowns, um, and I would talk about me as the little kid, I would talk about it matter-of-factly. Mike, if you said that was your son or your, your neighbor's kid or somebody like that, and you told me about some of the stories that that happened, I would probably be pretty choked up and emotional and, and really empathetic in that situation. When I told it about me, it was matter of fact. So here was, here was the realization and, and, and men li listen up. What, what I didn't have is I didn't have self-compassion or self-love. And I grew up not caring about that kid, which was me. Cool. So that realization was, um, it took a lot to recognize and then now when I, when I talk about the stories and I, and I share the stories, there's some self-love and self-compassion. And I think men today, a lot of times go through life, not having that self-compassion and that self-love for them, you know, for themselves as they go through life, not thinking anything of it. And so that's so important to make that connection because, because it's going to help you grow and it's going to help you deal with it's going to help you deal with things and trauma and, and adversity. Hmm. And that was, that was the premise for me, you know, putting this book out there, you know, it was, you know, physical, you can do physical things that you never thought were possible and that you can heal and mend and um, take care of, take care of things, you know, emotionally, physically, spiritually in that regard too. So the self-love aspect is what people are lacking. And the moment that happens or the moment that breaks, it becomes like a uh, a snowball effect where a, you become more distant from 
that origin point, right? So you have to go back. It's almost like inner child work. Go back. Yeah. To oh, who, yeah. Is that what it is? It's you go back oh, yeah. to who, where it all went wrong and you fix that. And that's where it can actually restore itself. Yeah, that's that's one way to do it. And that's that's you have to peel that. You have to peel those layers back, man, like peel them way back. That's that's work. And a lot, a lot of us don't want to face it. You know, I was I was I was one of them. You know, I didn't want to face it because I don't want to admit it. Yeah, it's it's it, it's pretty shocking. Um, are you a spiritual man at all? Do you read the Bible? Yeah, uh, yep. yeah, yeah. So so do I. And so uh, when I started to read and get very deep with my faith, there is the uh, the commandment: uh, love your neighbor as you love yourself. It doesn't say love your neighbor more than you love yourself, right? And and it's it shows that you need to really take care of yourself and love your existence. Be proud of who you are because the more you love yourself, I guarantee you watch what goes in your body. You watch what goes in your mind. You watch the actions. You watch. You watch yourself. And I was just reading the Bible this morning. In one of the older, uh, in the Old Testament, it talks about how you should watch yourself. It's pretty fascinating. If you watch yourself like you don't know yourself, watch your actions. Watch who you surround yourself with, and you'll see uh, the breadcrumbs. And uh, I think it's fascinating that the more you take care of yourself, the more you take care of others. Right. I think that the more I started to love my life with my business. Yeah. I watched my water intake. I watched, you know, the books that I read. And is yep. that what you're saying? You got to restore your relationship with yourself first, and then you'll see how you can impact those around you and inspire them. Yeah. And, and, and think about this, you know, just being at this retreat, got to talk to some incredible people and you could see the, the, the how people were healing themselves and whether it was trauma and their intentions or whatever. And then, you know, you talk to a few people that still needed some still need to do some work. And it's just like, I'm an idiot. And I was so dumb to do this. And I did this and I drank during COVID and I put on 15 pounds and I did this, and I did this. And, and so like, we would never talk about our best friend that way, but why are we so mean to ourselves? Yep. And that's where the self love and self-compassion, like that, that gal that, that, I, that I mentioned, I, I, my sister's with me at the retreat. And, and I, and I just said, she, she's, and this was no judgment thing. I just, I was like, she's got to really do some work to heat to heal because she's her self-talk and she doesn't even realize she was doing it. You know, that, you know, she's calling herself an idiot four or five times. People were say, my doctor said I'm an idiot. And, and you know, the doctor's not going to call you an idiot. I don't think, but you know, like, so it's just like they paint this picture, but we're mean, we're freaking mm -hmm. mean to ourselves with our self-talk. And, 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 and I battle every day with, with some of the things like, Oh, I had a bad workout. I had a bad, showing I had a, you know, whatever, you know, I, I had, um, I, I didn't, I didn't give my all or whatever. And so like, we gotta be careful. We, we gotta be careful on how hard we are on ourselves when we do put in the effort, when we do put in the work and, 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 uh, shift that thinking. Yeah. Bruce Lee has that great quote. Never make it, never talk down to yourself. Cause you're even as a joke, because your mind doesn't know when you're joking or when uh, you're telling the truth. So that is crucial. Self-talk, it, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. And if you keep saying that you're an idiot or you're a moron, just even joking, you'll act that way. Pretty fascinating. Now, Mike, that's it. I haven't heard that Bruce Lee thing. That's pretty good. You're you're a quote machine. I, I love it, man. Oh, yeah. But 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 th think about this, right? So how many times you, you're out with your buddies or, or people and like, you're, you're on the golf course, you're, you know, maybe you shoot hoops or whatever. And hey, hey, great shot. Great game today. Oh, that was a lucky shot. Or you know what? The wind was with me. You guys were just bad. And I got lucky. And I, this was, the, you know, this was the reason happened this. Like, it's one thing to be humble, but it's another thing to just say, you know what? That, 
that was that was pretty good. And, and just be okay with it. Be okay that you were good. You know, but we want to we want to diminish ourselves our, our, ourselves from showing up sometimes. Acknowledge it. That's gonna that's gonna that's gonna get some momentum later. Yeah. One of my mentors told me you have to learn how to take a compliment. And yeah. you don't you don't diminish yourself. You take it because and you take it the right way because that individual who gives you a compliment doesn't want it to seem like it's meaningless. When they give you a compliment, you accept it and that does something for them also. So yeah, don't uh don't you know negate yourself in any way, even whenever people give you a compliment. That's that's yeah. fascinating. And now, sometimes people don't know how to act or respond to that. So I just, you know, like I work on it myself. It's just like Thank you. I really appreciate it. If you, if you don't know what to say, just say thank you. And I appreciate it and and move on if you need to, if you don't want to, if you don't want to seem like, like you're boasting or, or you're lacking humility. Yeah. Now you have a background uh, as a black belt in Krav Maga. You're an Ironman guy. How is this all tied together? I would assume that the more you test yourself, the more you see your limits, the more you know yourself, the more you can know about the world. And that gives you an advantage. So tell me about this. Yeah, yeah, you you know, Iron Man is pretty cool. Iron Man's uh, motto is anything is possible. And and when I when I first did my and when I did my first Iron Man, I I was like, how is that freaking possible? These guys are these guys are freaky athletes, man. They just there's they 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 were collegiate swimmers, they were track stars, they were cyclists or whatever. And just you know, just like you know what, let's just let's go, let's just do it, let's put the work in, get coached and and everything and anything. Um, that we do here. And one of the things that really helped me, um, you know, finish what I started because we quit so many things. I, I talked to so many people. I coach so many people that are like, Hey, I could never, they talk, this is self-talk. I could never do that. I could never do an, a, a marathon. I can never do a 10 K. I can never do a 5 K. I can so start walking. <laughs> but, but one of the things is sign up for something and not on a large scale, but work your way up, sign up for something that you want to do and declare it. Declare it to people that will support you and have them build in your accountability, put it on social media, put it, put it all out there. So you have to, you have to build in that accountability and get coached. Get, if you, if it's, if it's, if it's too expensive to, to hire a coach, you can get so many online forms and get coached that way. Or you can just, you can um, find so much material that can help you through that, you know, virtual coaching, whatever it is, there's things that you can do where where you can where you can where you can get that and so anything is possible we're capable of way uh more than 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 we think we are you know so you know whenever i take on whenever i take on um something new you know i i i tell people that i'm going to do it i also ask for permission so here's the other thing if you say I, i'm going to do a marathon right and your significant other is not on board with you training for the next six months, you know, 12, 15 hours a week, whatever, you know, running, running a few hours on a Saturday and a Sunday, and that's going against you, you're going to have a hard time. So if your family's against it, you know, if, if people, if it's not the right time, make sure you get the support on board or restructure it where you can or do it at another time, but, but make sure that's built in because you will set yourself up for failure in a lot of cases, if you don't get the buy-in from your support people. Man. You know, I've interviewed many entrepreneurs, uh, some of them very, very successful, high-level individuals, multimillionaires, and they do they do talk about how they picked up MMA in their 40s and 50s. Yeah. 
And what happened was it, it, it ignited something in their brain that made them feel like a beginner again. And that was so, uh, enlightening for them. Like they needed that feeling of being a beginner for the first time in a long time. So is there something to be said about testing your body, no matter what age you're at, uh, how it does something for the soul, you know, whether it's Krav Maga, MMA, jujitsu, it's like yeah. the moment you feel like a beginner, you feel like a child and therefore it gives you that sense of life that maybe has escaped you for a long time. Anything you can say about that? Yeah, it, it, it keeps you, it keeps you, uh, it keeps you young. Right. I mean, you know, I, I'm, I'm on the maps with, you know, 20 somethings and bigger, stronger, faster. Um, but you know, we'll, 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 we'll have a good time and, you know, hang in there. It's just, um, because you, you, you have to, you have to force yourself to stay young that way. I think, I think age is really, um, just a number with, with all the great things with, you know, what we're, what we're hearing about with longevity. Um, and, and again, that's another, that's another mindset. That's another mindset thing. So like, you know, I'll, I'll hang with the 20 and 30 year olds and, 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 and do, do all right. Or, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll hang with some people because I, I heard, I, I actually read a, a, an incredible um, book, Josh Waitskin. He was the, the Bobby Fisher character for the chess, um, finding Bobby Fisher, but he was also a put, uh, push hands national champion after he was a chess national champ, national champion. And what he said, and I freaking love this because I take this with me every single day. He said, invest in your losses, right? So when he was doing the push hands, which is a form of martial arts, and he would always get the toughest, biggest, baddest dude to kick his butt every single day for years. And he would just go, he would just get, get beat down. He's like, I'm investing in my loss so I could be better later. Wow. So, so like, I'll always try to, I'll always try to like push myself with people that I can learn from because I, or they're better than me. They're stronger, they're faster, whatever. I'll, you know, well, that's why I like always hiring coaches that are, that are more knowledgeable in certain areas than I am because I want to, I want to learn from them. And I'm not, you know, I'm not too proud to say that I know it all. I'm just, I want to keep, I'm a sponge, be a freaking sponge, learn as much as you can and invest in your losses. Now, how, 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 how unfun is it when you're like, you know what, I'm going to find the weakest person in there and, and just kind of school them all day long. Like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to put a team out there against weaker teams. You know, I hope they don't play defense so I can score a bunch of points. Like how fun is that? That's not fun. It's when, when you're, it's when you're in competition and you're able to push yourself to another level that you didn't think you were capable of investing your losses. I mean, that that's really where the growth happens. Yep. And the only reason why you wouldn't is because it's a pride thing, right? You don't want to lose, but you don't get better if you're around people who are always, you know, maybe below you when it comes to the skill level. And so being around faster, faster people, uh, I'm a big into dirt bikes. Uh, I've oh, seen yes. individuals that are very high level. They don't ride with people who are slow, right? So it's wild how they kind of stick together. And whether it's business or motorcycles, big dogs, fast dogs, they, they usually play with the big dogs. 
And so that's why you need to constantly uh, level up in every aspect. And sometimes that means getting your teeth kicked in by being the uh, low man on the totem pole. So very significant. And, and I do want to, I do want to add to when you invest in your losses, Mike, it's also important that you do take somebody under your wing that maybe has lesser ability or maybe not where you are in a, in a particular um, activity, sport, academics, whatever it is, and mentor and help because you've learned while you're teaching. So be, you know, be a teacher, have that big heart, be a servant leader. And that also helps you get better. Yeah. Great point. I mean, that is the Jim Rohn, be of service to the many for service to the many leads to greatness, which means that once you learn part of the hero's journey, if you're familiar with storytelling, um, is not just about obtaining the reward and getting the sword and beating the dragon. It's going back to your town and, and teaching them what you have found out. So it's like you have to give back, and that's part of the hero's journey. So, what, whatever you learn, you know, it's not just for your your own sake. It's for those around you. And so, yes, be around big players. But whatever you learn, turn around and help those who are trying to get where you're at. Significant, yeah. and that's what you're doing with this book. And guys, Thriving in the Storm, I know I could talk with you all day because everything you're sharing is pretty much in alignment with everything that I love to read about. So Thriving in the Storm, nine principles to help you overcome any adversity. The question that we always ask all of our guests outside of your book, is there a book that stands out that pretty much changed your life? Me personally, Rich Dad, Poor Dad changed my life. So anything like that for you? Man, there's so many. Um, Wow. I mean... Well, obviously, I mentioned Terry Rail's book was huge, um, but I mean, you know, I could I could talk about success principles with Jack Canfield, which was one of my favorite. I mean, the 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 granddaddy of them all is Rich Dad. I mean, I'm not Rich Dad, Poor Dad. That's a great book too. But um, Think and Grow Rich. I read rich. that once. A, I've been reading that once a, since I started in sales. I read I've read that once a year for the last 27 years at least, or listened to it. Um, because that's, there's just every single time you always get, get something out of it. Um, you know, I love the compound effect. I mean, I, I could go on, I, I, Tim Grover's relentless, um, you know, studied Jordan, I, you know, how much of, you want to talk about mindset, you know, how that, or Kobe. And, you know, the thing was with, with, with both those guys is their teammates couldn't show up early enough to beat them to a practice at three 30 in the morning. They just couldn't, you know, and then they would be there at three 15 and they would stay later. Like the, the constant work and the, and, and the drive and desire to get better every single day. Um, you know, I love Goggins can't hurt me. You know, that, that was, uh, that was an incredible story. Badass dude. Um, you know, he's one that, you know, he was a three, over 300 pounds and, and, uh, wasn't really, um, do anything with his life and, you know, went through seal training three times and, you know, the rest is history with him. And it was pretty cool. So, I mean, sorry, you asked me for one. <laughs> what is that? 15? I think so. <laughs> no, we, we just love avid readers and especially personal. development. <laughs> so uh, a lot of those are on my list too. There's a book that I recommend called the molecule of more. Have you ever read that one? No, no. Yeah, it's all about dopamine. And what you're saying is that, you know, in order to stay young or progress in anything, you got to understand this molecule that's in your brain called dopamine that really much, uh, pretty much uh, changes everything uh, in your life. And the more you understand that, the more you realize where you can find it, how you can create it, all that. So 
Awesome stuff, man. This has been interesting. Uh, Thriving in the Storm, guys. He has 260 reviews on Amazon. Now, that's pretty tough to get. So people do love this book. I recommend you pick it up today. His Instagram, I think, is easy to find. Thriving in the Storm, right? Instagram, Facebook, easy to find you. Is that right? Yes, sir. And so uh, do you have any other website that you promote, whether it's your business or anything? If you are ever asked to become a speaker or a guest on another podcast, What's the best way to get a hold of you? Yeah, thrivinginthestorm.com. And we have, uh, you know, for your listeners, make sure they download all the exercises that are, that some of them we talked about, but all the exercises, um, there's a journal workbook in there on, on that website and um, be sure to grab it. Beautiful. Don't just survive in the storm, thrive in it. Bill Murphy, thank you so much for being a part of this. Remember guys, a million dollar book will lead to a million dollar life. Right on.